Hey, it's Ido here, international supermodel moonlighting as an adventurer, moonlighting again as a janitor. How do I do it all? So anyway, we're up on Tarago Nook, and they told us to get out. So I took the others to go and kick up some trouble. We found this kid called Fiddle locked in a cage, and because I'm such a nice person, I let him out. Nothing to worry about. Then the next morning, we saw ourselves out and went north looking for Professor Peridot. We had a little tussle with a huge bird, but that was no problem for me, obviously. And then to top it all off, the guy we're looking for is hanging out in a room full of treasure. Time to cash in and head home. everybody and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Jenison Reference Parchment Company. We are up to uh, Hearth and Wellbeing Part 4. It's getting, uh, it's getting pretty serious up in here. My name is Penny D. I will be your dungeon manager today. Um, and today we're talking about latest obsessions. And so my latest obsession is also one of my longest running obsessions, uh, which is uh, at the moment, a lot of my spare time, I am playing Pokemon video game championships, uh, oh, which yeah. is you bring a team of six Pokemon, you play with four of them and you've got two out at a time. And it's my absolute favorite game. The reason it's my newest obsession is because the new games just came out. So there's like a whole bunch of new Pokemon. It's like a playing a new game with some classic elements. And so that's my jam right now. I'm doing a lot of uh, competitive pokemon playing in the vgc um and there's a lot to learn so i spend a lot of my time learning about how that works and it's not very it's not a very interesting thing for anyone other than me but it is my latest obsession and i love i love pokemon put that Hell on the yeah <laughs> cute, cute, cute. okay so i'm stephanie and i play frankie the human artificer my current obsession i have two first one is so in a couple months or next month, I, I don't actually know when, uh, I'm going to do the Tongariro Crossing Damn. with my family. Oh, yeah! So I'm currently, like, obsessed with pretty much everything to do with that. I'm looking up, like, best techniques for hiking, because I've never really been on a hike before. I went to Kathmandu yesterday, and I bought the most expensive pair of shoes that I have ever owned. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wear them in, wear them in. Oh, they're like, like, they're like $300 or something, and I'm like, I never thought my most expensive pair of boots, like shoes, would be hiking boots. Well, they always trying... are, though. They it's always not my are. Most expensive pair of shoes. Like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to buy some really nice going out shoes. It's your hiking boots. They're the most expensive yeah, bloody things yeah. in your house. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like, ah, I'll save, you know, save it for a nice pair of like Redbacks yeah, or something yeah, that I would yeah. never probably wear. <laughs> but now I'm wearing these really, like, they're really actually cool, and they're men's, they're men's size because they didn't have the women's size that I wanted, and I didn't want to wait, you know, a couple weeks. So I'm ah. like, you know what? And the lady's like, it doesn't really matter. They're just different colors. And I'm like, to be honest, I like these colors better than the women's colors. So yeah. I love those. And my second obsession that I also bought on the same day on a whim, sort of, you know, peer pressure, <laughs> is these glitter uh, coated Crocs that I bought. Oh, oh my you. God. <laughs> so shoes. Shoes. Yes. Shoes. Yeah. Yeah, shoes, shoes. So shoes. But they're Crocs. And I wear them in sport mode because they're cool you never know when you're uh, gonna need to run around and croc so you've got to keep them in sport mode. exactly <laughs> yeah, keep them in sport 
mode. Uh, and I'm just like, wow, these are cool. And I showed my friend and he's like, are you wearing these ironically? Or, and I'm like, don't come from me. They're cool and they have glitter on them. So that's my current obsession, glitter-coated socks and hiking boots. Hell yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Nathan and I'm playing Flynnvar the Halfling Bard and our little friend, Welby the Little Red Dragon. So I kind of... <laughs> I was deciding like whether or not like if I go wholesome or not with my answer with my latest session, but I'm gonna go honest, which is not wholesome. So I've just recently watched the uh, like episode of uh, The Last of Us, which has a certain character in it. I'm trying not to give a spoiler Don't or anything. Spoil, yeah. No, but oh, yeah. there's a very it's based on a game that came out 15 years ago, so I think you can spoil. No, it. you can't. Nah. No, okay. no, this is different. There's no. a different right. plot going on. Yeah. But anyway, so there's this, they introduce a new character, which is played by Murray Barlett, and he is a very, very handsome man. And somehow from watching him in this lovely story, I just was like, I, I googled this man's cinematography, and I've been like binge watching <laughs> Tales of a City, which is very raunchy, and just I cannot get enough of this man. And so it's all consuming. And that goes really well with my with my other obsession, which is I've suddenly decided that I want to go motorcycle camping. What is that? That's where you like try and pack in all your like. It's, it's like you go like motorcycle touring across New Zealand or something, but you just take your camping shit with you. Oh my gosh, that sounds that sounds terrifying. That's Do great. you know how to ride a motorcycle? No, I'm gonna be the passenger. I'll be the pillion. <laughs> I can't even ride a scooter. No, I want my big handsome Murray Barlett to drive for me, and I'll be. <laughs> I can combine my exceptions. Oh, this is dangerous. <laughs> all right. Yep. Yep. All right, we've got to get Nate to stop talking about this topic because Nate's gonna Nate's gonna not be able to concentrate for the rest of the session. Yeah, you're lucky, Penny, that about. you didn't give the professor do a mustache. To, yeah, do you want me to give the professor a mustache and put him on a motorbike for you? Oh my god! Oh my god! I think we all would. Want that, I think to we be all would want that, but we would we would all be way too distracted by that. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I'll keep my thirst myself. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> my name's Liz. I'm gonna. I'll take the. I'll take the uh, heat off of you, mate. <laughs> my name's Liz, and I play Karen. She's a dwarf barbarian. She's a mother. She's a wife. She is the HR manager. She is a hero, maybe. She is a runaway princess, definitely. My latest obsession is watching home decor videos on YouTube. Oh yes. I will load up a home decor video. A, a, an architectural digest, some random person who's renovating their own house. I don't care. I love them all. I will fold laundry to that for hours. I <laughs> I might need to get some tips from you. Happily, hours. <laughs> you know, I save up the clean laundry. I fold it all at once because it's boring. But it's better when you're watching home decor videos. So many of them, so so many, lots and lots and lots. I'm filling up my brain with home, and I have nowhere to put it at the moment because. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when the time comes, I'll be ready. I'll be prepared. You could get one of those businesses where you uh, dress up a house to be sold, and you just like oh, put, you know, staging, staging, yep, yeah, staging. I'd, I'd bloody love that. That would be, be that job. would that would be a great job, but. Then that that would cut into my watching home decor videos on YouTube time. So maybe not. Maybe that's not the best way to go because 
what I'm not obsessed with is actually doing the work. It's watching other people <laughs> do the work. So <laughs> just experiencing the end product. The rest yeah. of it's boring. You can still yeah, make money and, out and of it. And I like to understand why people have chosen certain things in their house. And when they point at it and say, that's my horrible little mug that looks like an old man. And I got it from a secondhand store. I'm like, hell yes. And I've had him for 20 years and he's moved houses with me. Hell yes. Show me all your weird shit. I want to see all your strange little home decor things that bring you joy. I love it. That's me. That's my obsession. I'm Poppy. I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue. And I have two little obsessions at the moment. My first one is crochet. Crochet. I often go in and out of crochet, but this is the longest I've kind of stuck with it. I've made actual clothing which is not like me and i'm currently making a sweater i am currently crocheting i'm crocheting during this recording because i don't need to think about it oh, so you're literally um, creating stuff as we go that's cool yes yeah I love um that. This, <laughs> the second thing is my garden i recently got we put veggies in the garden and watching them grow like every day i'll go and look at them a couple times a day <laughs> just watching them slowly grow and it's so nice like we've got zucchini we've got little cucumbers i also got a drosera capensis which is a um sundew like carnivorous plant oh so i've been watching that as well and it's like obviously not interesting but it's really interesting it's rad though i love plants that like hunt bugs you're you're a cozy game someone's gonna make a cozy game yeah exactly it's like (laughs) stardew valley but in real life (laughs) (laughs) That's so oh, cool. That is really oh. cool. I love I, I love talking about things that we love. Yeah, I'm glad that we all have things that we love right now. Yeah. It's awesome. I learned something about all of you today. <laughs> but this isn't a, this is, I really, you know what? I just want it to be a podcast where we just talk about things that we love, but it's not that. <laughs> it's about D&D, which we also we do, do that love. some other time. But yes, we also do love D&D, so we yeah. can get back to it. And so <laughs> you guys, after nine episodes, finally reached <laughs> your destination. It Woo! turned out it's a cave full of an infinite amount of treasure mm-hmm. and a muscly dude in a tight shirt. <laughs> Should we continue with that? Yeah. yeah. An infinite amount of treasure indeed. So there you are. You're inside this mountain, surrounded by treasure. Professor Peridot has pulled, just like, dragged a couple of really expensive looking chairs out of the piles and assembled them in a big circle so you can all sit. And he's not even sitting in his chair. He's sitting on the floor next to a pile of gold. And Welby is diving into the coins and like Scrooge McDuck-like and then coming back out. And like, (laughs) Professor Peridot's like holding out his arm and Welby's like climbing up and across his shoulders and then like, you know, double flipping into like another bit of treasure. And Professor Peridot is just delighted at this at this little baby dragon and he turns to you and he says so uh how's his health he's he's a little bit lazy i've got to say he's been he likes to spend a lot of time cozying up to me uh he eats a heck of a lot and unfortunately uh my mother makes good cakes so he's quite a lot of cake so it's just i see yeah he's very active he's uh got a good temperament a little bit cheeky yeah a little bit <laughs> And so his appetite is his appetite is good. What about his behavior? Is he uh, is he active? Is he uh, seeking out uh, mental stimulation? Oh, you can say that again. <laughs> That's part of the reason why we've come up here. Listen, I understand. He's a baby. 
You know, I've had babies of my own. They, they're active, they get into things. But it becomes a problem when your baby is also a dragon and no one else knows it exists <laughs> and you have to go to work every day and then your baby destroys one of the machines at work. Potentially. For, as you say, attention and mental stimulation. So Ameth seems delighted. <laughs> he, he seems elated at this at this story that you're telling. <laughs> and like you can tell that, you know, he's just amused by the idea of uh, Welby causing a lot of destruction. Um, he just thinks, <laughs> he thinks it's cute. And then he, he turns to Flynn and he says, and uh, what about his breath? Is his breath behaving itself? Yes. So I think there was only one instance where kind of was learning and, you know, it, so he can do some things with it that I don't understand, but I appreciate. We basically need a Welby 101, to be honest. We need a 101 guide for Welby. Hmm. Lynn's been doing a fantastic job, I will say. But this isn't like anything we've ever dealt with before. No, never. No, <laughs> I imagine not a lot of people in this day and age have dealt with this before. And he gets up and he goes over to where Welby's like doing backstroke in a, <laughs> in a little thing of coins. And he scoops him up and he holds, holds him in his hand. And Nate, you've noticed that Welby is... Like, he is as comfortable being handled by this man mm. as he is with you. Where, like, normally if, like, Idafa or Frankie or anyone tried to pick him up, he would probably not like that. But he seems fine with being handled by this man. Mm -hmm. And he scoops him up and he holds him up to his face. Uh, so that he's just, just a few, just a, like, you know, a couple of inches, half a foot away from his face. Uh, and he speaks a few words to Welby that none of you understand. Except, Idafa, your earring scrambles the audio and you're able to understand the next little part of this conversation. Is he speaking Draconic? Is that, a, is, that a, is that a language? It is a language. It is a language. You've heard of it before. <laughs> none of you understand it, so none of you speak Draconic, so you don't know. Uh, Idafa, this is what you hear. Uh, hello there, little one. Are you safe? Are these people kind to you? Oh, he's doing a well-being check. No! <laughs> Welby responds in the same language and says, Yes! My daddy gives me lots of good food oh all the time and his friends are funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot handle it. <laughs> oh, so cute. Flynn's watching them talk and he's just like, there's a there's a language? And he instantly wants to know like how to do it. Like, he wants to do that. <laughs> Emeth continues and he says, uh, I see, I see. And uh, why have you come here? Are you looking for a new home? And Welby responds, no, sir. I just follow my daddy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is he speaking Draconic? You don't know enough about the language to be able to identify it. Mm -hmm. Ameth continues and says, Do you know who I am? Do you know who the people in Tarago are? And Welby responds by saying, No, but you all smell like me? Mm -hmm. Ameth says, You're very insightful, Welby. <laughs> and he puts, him, he puts him back down in the treasure. He takes off his glasses and he begins to clean them as he turns and addresses you all in common. Yes, glasses. Your little friend here is fortunate. He seems to have found himself in the care of some respectable people. <laughs> and he looks down at Welby, who's like, there's like a crown sitting on top of some of the <laughs> uh, some of the coins. And he's like diving out of the coins and then like back in and then back in and like diving inside the coins <laughs> in the crown. Just Scrooge McDucking the crap out <laughs> of it. And he turns back to you all and he says, are you familiar with the concept of dragon folk? Uh, no. I... So, like, oh, lizard folk is dragon folk? We, we, we know about dragon borns. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my gosh, the, the hot tea. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Blackguard speaks up at this point and he's like, you're talking about actual dragons, aren't you? And uh, Ameth says, uh, yes, that's right. Enormous, magical, powerful creatures. Your uh, newborn shares some lineage with them, but he is what you would call a fairy dragon. He won't get much bigger than what you see, so the death of the weave shouldn't trouble him as much as it did his larger relatives. Yes, I, I did think all of the dragons went extinct over a hundred years ago. Is, is that not what happened? Well, you see those big bodies. Dragons were reliant on magic to sustain themselves. You couldn't keep an engine like that going on just food and water alone. Oh. There was some disruption a while ago, as you say, and since then, I would imagine most dragons would have had to make alternate plans or perish. That's very sad. And oh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you're going to accept this as no. uh, meta gaming because Karen doesn't understand what the what he was saying in Draconic, <laughs> but she is insightful. How, how about how about I roll an insight check on okay. Amma? Go ahead. And then I'll decide whether or not I get to say this. <laughs> oh, uh, that's a 14? You can say some of it. And what did you do to survive? Say what? Oh. Flynn's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the comfortability. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Blackguard picked up what you're putting down, and he is scribbling. <laughs> he is, like, frantically <laughs> writing. Uh, and Blackguard Ameth is just watching him. Blackguard, Blackguard, if Ameth says to, to destroy this, destroy it, okay? Uh, he smiles at you, Karen, and he doesn't answer <laughs> your question. Uh, and he says, um, we'll make your well-being should be fine. Just being around small sources of magic from time to time should be plenty to sustain him. Oh, good. You'll also need to let him hoard. It's in his nature to collect and store. And he kind of looks around the room at all this treasure, and he says... Pretty things. It's a hard <laughs> habit to shake even for the oldest and wisest of dragons. Hmm. And at this point, uh, he turns around and he's like having a lot of fun with Welby. He's like tossing him up in the air and Welby's <laughs> like opening his wings and floating down and tossing him back up again. <laughs> oh, <the jokes. laughs> Cute. And he says, uh, it's, uh, it's been too long since I last saw a child. Halfling. I don't suppose you would consider letting him live here with us. Oh. Uh, he gestures to the treasure room around him and says, you'd be well compensated. Flynn, Flynn looks at Welby and like deep in the eyes and he's like, that's, that's, all, that's Welby's choice where he goes. I'm just, I just love him. No. Oh. Uh, Paradox <laughs> smiles to himself at that, at that answer. Uh, and you realize that he was probably testing you with that question, <laughs> whether or not you would be willing to sell him um, for all of the, like, literally, if you, if you took even 1% of the treasure that you see here, you and your entire families would be set for life. He turns around uh, and he picks up a stack of books um, and he begins like opening them up and signing them um, and handing them out to uh, all of you. And it's, the book is called The Life in Cold Blood, <laughs> A Study of Reptilian Life in Yumiasa. Ooh. Thank you. And because you know he's a herpetologist, he studies. He says, uh, "This is not much, and thanks, but you made it all this way, so huh. I'm going to have to ask you to leave now. And it's probably a good idea to keep your mouth shut about the location of the horde." Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Blackguard, did you hear that? Uh, Blackguard like looks up 
and you realize that like he's been writing down everything and he looks over at uh, at Ameth who's just holding yeah. out his hand. <laughs> and Blackguard's no. like his shoulders slump and he looks down and he's like this is all my notes. Oh. This is all my notes. Blackguard, do you really want to tangle with or or maybe why can't he just take the notes that's relevant to this particular area instead of all of the notes? Roll me a persuasion check, Frankie. <laughs> Frankie's thinking about the the good quotes he's uh... been like filtering back to him. <laughs> <laughs> persuasion. That's a nineteen. Yeah. Uh Ameth like considers you for a minute, uh, and then he nods and uh still holds out his hand for the book. And um Blackguard hands it over and Ameth like kind of leafs through it a little bit before tearing out a couple of pages uh, and handing it back to Blackguard. Uh, Welby whispers something to him in his ear and he smiles and nods and Welby like flies away off into the treasure room. (sighs) Welby has asked for a share which will be distributed to you. I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to make that concession if you all agree to keep the knowledge of this place to yourselves. Agreed? Agreed. 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 And can I come back if I knew to for Welby's being? Well-being? Well-being, well-being. <laughs> well-being. Swear to God. Don't ever come back to this place. <laughs> Most of the time you can find me down in Tarago Nook Town. If you have Welby with you, you may enter any time. Not just in the on season. I know they get all pissy about it down there. Oh, tell me about to be, it. To be fair, none of them did know about Welby. <laughs> he kind of laughs to himself uh, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> of course they didn't. Let me guess. <laughs> you turned up and they panicked. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's alright. Come back anytime. Just if you have Welby with you, that should be enough. Oh, is their hair colour the dragon colour? Shh. Oh, <laughs> <no. laughs> Do you, do you, do are you, you Nate Ameth? asking me Penny that question, no. or are you no, is Flynn asking Ameth that question? Yeah, that was Flynn being like trying to absorb this all, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm like, I'm made of something come together." Blurt it yeah. out. <laughs> Shush. Do you want Ameth to have to rip more pages out of Blackguard's book? Come on. He's not taking. <laughs> and Blackguard's like, "Oh yeah, please no, I don't, I can't lose any more pages. There's a lot of stuff in there." I mean, there. yes. <laughs> yes, no. We'll definitely keep you safe. And so Ameth takes a little time. He hands you a pouch containing 4,000 oh. gold. Ooh. Uh, and another small uh, box with 32 blue electrum in it. Oh, yeah. And he sits and waits patiently while Welby returns four times oh. with an item that he puts in each of your hands. And when he does this, Welby takes his time sniffing each <coughs> of you and then digging around in piles of treasure. Um, and he brings you each an item that he apparently feels fits you. Oh, Welby. Karen, you receive a platinum ring uh, with a decorative crystal butterfly in the place of a stone. Oh, thank you, sweetie. And she, she puts it on immediately and admires it. Idafa, you receive a menacing black and purple sickle. Oh, <laughs> you sick little dude and he gives him like a little scratch under the chin he loves that and then he runs off oh Flynn, you like he well he takes more time than the rest to find something for you you receive a, a decorative pin uh round in shape with five concentric circles in the center how lovely oh that's fine and frankie uh Welby takes the longest of all 
for you. He takes about 30 minutes digging around looking for something for you um, before he comes back uh, and hands you a featureless silvery orb. And when you pick it up and shake it a little bit, it bursts, covering you in a weird metallic liquid before it slowly starts re- re- like reinstating and retaking its orb shape. While this is happening, Karen would like to sit down with Flynn and Ameth and kind of go over care for well-being. You know, a good clean, idea. cleaning and scale care. I've been getting a new puppy. <laughs> yeah, exercise, enrichment ideas. He's got to brush his teeth. Yeah, t- t- you know, oh, hygiene, food, just kind of because Flynn is a first-time dad. And Karen's done all this before, but she doesn't actually know what Welby needs, but she knows what to ask for, what Welby needs. Sure. So she'll she'll kind of facilitate that conversation, if that's yeah. okay. So the three of you sit together, and uh, Ameth is very forthcoming uh, about letting you know. He's already told you most of the big stuff, like you got to let him hoard, um, you got to make sure that he is, you know, semi-regularly exposed to small sources of magic, and... The fact that you carry uh, Electrum around with you and you have your amulets, mm. uh, he thinks will be enough um, because because of the fact that Welby will never get larger. He thinks that that should be enough, that if he just hangs around you guys and you continue doing as you are doing, that will probably be enough to sustain him. Ameth does uh, get a little confused at the idea <laughs> of Welby eating a ton of cake <laughs> and... He lets you know that he probably needs more protein. He probably needs to eat uh, a fair amount of meat uh, or protein substitutes. Uh, if you know things like bugs would probably be all right. And this this all lines up, Flynn, with what you know about um, you know his hunting habits. He does tend to like you know he'll eat whatever you put in front of him, but he also does tend to like hunt mice and and eat spiders and stuff. Loves that he catching flies. <laughs> Your house has never been so clear of pests. So. Uh, each of you tell the audience and tell each other um, about the items uh, that you have received. Can I go first? Because mine's up. Yep, go ahead. So Flynn looks down at this the pin kind of brochy thing in his hand um, with the concentric circles as Penny described. And it says it's the promise of tomorrow. This pin stores spells cast into it, holding them until the attuned wearer uses them. The ring can store up to five levels worth of spells at a time. Any creature can cast a spell of first through five levels into the pin by touching it as the spell is cast, expending electric as they do so. The spell has no effect other than to store in the ring. If the ring can't hold the spell, the spell is expended without effect. While wearing the ring, you can cast any spell stored in it. The spell uses a slot level spell, save DC, attack DC bonus, and spell casting ability of the original, ca- of the original caster. Hmm but is otherwise treated as if you cast a spell. The spell cast from the ring is no longer stored in it once in Freedom's space. It requires a two minute. Yeah, so essentially you can store five first level spells or one fifth level spell um, or any any number in between um, of spells inside the Promise of Tomorrow and then cast them as an action on your own turn. And that will not uh, take up one of his spell slots when he casts it. That's right. From the brooch so question so it says it'll use the bonuses and dc stuff from the ability of the original caster does that mean me as the original caster or the person who put the spell in the pin so if you asked if you asked idatha to cast a level first level spell into the promise of tomorrow 
it would use Idafa's spell. Ah, uh, okay. So I have to write that down when I take note of it. He immediately puts it on his little um collar and like thanks Welby with a little glisten in his eye. He's holding it together. <laughs> oh, my boy, my boy. Oh, the boy. Alright, I will I'll go next then. So Karen has received the ring of the butterfly from Welby and it suits her very well because it looks super tacky, which is very funny. It's ch- it's one of those like chunky oh, yes. jewelry, yeah. you know those oh, older ladies who wear like chunky jewelry. It be turquoise. Yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of turquoise and purple. It's really chunky, and she loves it. So the ring of the butterfly. Once per short rest, I can use my action to touch a medium or smaller creature, not including myself, with the ring, teleporting them up to sixty feet to an unoccupied space that I can see. An unwilling creature can resist this effect by succeeding on a DC 14 wisdom saving throw, and it does require attunement. Oh, so you could punch someone literally 60 feet away in a sense. Yeah. Or if, for example, Frankie is getting murked on by a beastie, Karen can run up to him and give him a tap on the shoulder and just pop him straight back to safety. Oh my god, floating ranged attacks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unoccupied space that I can see which means I've already figured out that I can throw them in the air. Sick. I was just going to think about that. I was like, we could do a really sick attack. <laughs> Alright, I'd have got Hecate's Resolve, which is a plus one sickle. When you use your bonus action to make an offhand attack with this weapon, you may add plus two dex modifier to the total damage. Oh, two plus dex modifier to the total damage. It requires attunement. Yeah. Yeah, so what is it, what is your dex modifier at the moment? Um, that is plus three. Nice. So yeah, so uh, at the moment, uh, you can add five damage uh, when you use your bonus action to use your offhand to attack with the sickle. Just a question about how it looks. Is it a sickle with like a slightly longer handle or is it a shorter handle? It's like a shorter handle one. Oh, cool. Nice. And it's an offhand attack, which means that you can have something in your main hand and then this one in your offhand. Yeah, that's right. So you've got Command's backup and Hikati's resolve uh, as as a dual wielding pair. That's cool. That's some sick style. Yeah, I know. Okay, so so it was just the orb of uh, metallic fluid. So Frankie's going to play around with it because you know he's figured out how to make the shield. Um, that comes out of his little gauntlet that he wears, that he does everything out of. That looks, in his mind, really awesome. But to everyone else, it probably just looks like a bunch of junk no. welded together. Because, you know, Frankie doesn't try to make things look cool. He just makes them work, sort of, sometimes. Uh, so it's going to attach to his shield. And when he bursts it, it's just going to explode all over hopefully the other person and just make it <laughs> difficult to hit. So that, yeah. that'll be fun. And so the what you discover, Frankie, through a little bit of experimentation is the the fluid uh that comes out of it um is like repels the metal that's in your shield. And so yeah, you, you can attach that to your shield and then anything that gets yeah. coated in the in the fluid will um have a harder time hitting your shield. That was so handy. Yeah. So once her short rest when a creature misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to burst the orb, oh, coating the enemy's weapon in a magnetic fluid. As long as you wield the shield, that enemy has disadvantage on melee attacks did, against did you. Did you say magnetic fluid? 
Yes. Oh, that's so clever. I love that. So it's like a repellent. Is it metal? Uh, Damn. <laughs> I was wondering about no, that. No, so for the purposes, we can't use heat metal. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Well, we oh. thought we thought about this. I'm like, that'll be cool. And then Penny's like, no. And I'm like, oh, Penny. <laughs> no, we can't oh, create instant Penny. lava. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so you all spend a little bit of time, um, you know, attuning to your items. So can we actually spend this time to attune? Yeah, I'll <laughs> say that w with enough time, because Ameth is enjoying playing with Welby and talking about, you know, care tips for him, that you can all have Someone's a, having a cup yeah, of tea. Yeah, you can all have a short rest, during which time uh, you can uh, attune to your items. Wonderful. So you can all consider them attuned now. I'm going to tell all my secrets. That's how I'm going to attune with mine. <laughs> I mean, just make sure to log that um, we got, so we got that 4,000 gold, so $1,000 each, and then we got 32 electrum, and should we just divide it? By four? Yeah. Each? Yeah. Yep. So how much would that be each? 16? Eight. Eight. So eight, eight electrum, and then 1,000 gold each. So uh, Ameth tells you that by accepting these items, uh, and by taking them away with you, that you are now shareholders oh. in the hoard. So... That means that you are obliged to keep it a secret, um, and that he, he says that it'll probably never happen, but assuming that uh, everybody else with a share uh, perished all at once, uh, whoever holds a share would inherit the entire oh thing. My God. Oh, oh. Yes, I'm starting to plan how to kill you all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amos, did you, did you want to give a small gift to Welby to make sure that he's a shareholder too? Uh, he smiles and shows you that Welby has uh, taken a coin and is like hugging it uh, tightly. And he says, uh, "This is the start of his very own hoard. This coin." I'm gonna start giving anything cute and shiny that I find yes. to Welby. I think. I know, right? Emmeth <laughs> tells you that uh, this hoard was created about 150 years ago uh, when a bunch of wealthy people realized that they all needed to store their wealth in one place <laughs> so not a bank oh cool so it's the start of capitalism no <laughs> no it's the beginning of sheer investing <laughs> what's our index yeah he's actually just like one of those investment bros he's like yo have you considered bitcoin dragons are all share traders <laughs> as he ushers you out he's heading you towards the door he tells you that everyone who lives in Tarago Nook um, also has a share of this hoard oh. and that they all uh, guard it fiercely and add to it together Aww. oh that's why that yeah I get it one day it may become split again uh, but for now it is uh, imperative that it is kept a secret Oh. okay Frankie would like to which I, I don't I don't really think it uh means much but uh frankie's been working on just like a cute little toy have you have you seen um i think they're really old school those little like wind up dogs that sort of oh, bounce yeah, bounce yeah, and then yeah. they do the flip yeah 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 so frankie's been trying to work on that but it looks oh. absolutely terrifying because it's just the the, the robotics inside it's actually, dog <laughs> god okay Ew. yeah so frankie's gonna be like hey this is my latest masterpiece that's not quite finished but he loves it and he would just like to put it on one of the like piles Aww. of treasure Aww. yeah uh Ameth goes to object but welby chirps <laughs> something at him and he smiles and allows it to to be added to the hoard <laughs> god i love welby he's really going to personality thank you welby 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, ew, gross, we don't want that in. Ew. And Wobby's like, just like, just later. Wobby's like, shut up, else. that's my uncle. <laughs> As we turn to leave, Karen turns to Ameth and says, not to be a snitch, but we, we all talk to Fedo, and they really want to go down to Ymir City. Just, if this is something that you're all interested in, know that there are safe spaces amongst us where people can visit if you want to visit and if not maybe keep an eye on him i feel like he's going to make a break for it soon from one parent to another guardian thank you very much for your for your warning fedor will stay where he is put as for your invitation uh no offense karen but uh i have an agreement uh, with the holy servants, and for now we will stay here. Sorry, Yo, the holy servants, the ISIS's assassin mm. administrator. It's the it's the it's the bloody A team again. I love God, they them. They get into everything. How do you know they? them, and why do you have that agreement? Can I ask? You're cool. In answer to your question, uh, Flynn, uh, he pats you on the shoulder and he says, um, "I am sure that the government of your city would not appreciate me." Uh, spilling details about secret pacts. I was like, yeah, dude, like, you don't even understand. Maybe if you know the administrator, you can ask her when you return. Oh, okay, so we will. Also, just quickly, just a side note, did we end up giving him a moustache? Oh, no. Yeah, he has a moustache. Yes. That's too much. Oh, jeez. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I was just thinking, like, the, when Penny described him, I thought of What's his freaking name? I thought of Jason Momoa. No. With a book in his hand. I thought of Oscar Isaac oh. with a moustache, so that's what I would really? with. Ah. But with purple hair as well, and I guess a purple moustache. <laughs> the moustache is purple too? Oh no. I don't know about that one. <laughs> that silly Billy behaviour. <laughs> So Ameth sees you uh, back to the door and says goodbye to Welby, uh, who is, like, after being in there, you, you ever given a kid, like, a bunch of sugar and just watch them yes. tear around <laughs> for, like, 40 minutes? Yeah, he's, he's like, mm -hmm. pinging around and landing on everybody and, like, chirping. And he's the happiest mm -hmm. oh. that you've ever seen him. Uh, and he, he bids you goodbye. Boy. Yeah, Judah. Okay, yeah, he does look a bit like Judah. That's a, that's a, yeah! a fairly good uh, <laughs> representation, so except just a moustache, not a full beard. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, Judah from Joe Bobit, Jack Horseman, anyone who's listening. With nowhere else to go, you um you head back towards the Tarago Nook. Uh, Blackguard oh. is, again, trying to frantically scribble down everything and replace his notes. <laughs> Can I just rip out, like, just grab... His new, the newest page from the book and rip it out. You hurt his feelings, but you can do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it and be like, are you a moron? No, I'm a journalist. <laughs> Same thing. Anyway, don't write oh. about that, you dingus. Oh, oh, oh. Do you want Daddy Dragon to come down hard on us? Sorry, what? We've given you plenty to write about, Blackguard. I'm sure you can cut this out for the good of everybody here. Okay. You, you can't write about us anymore. Especially yourself. If you will be dead. killed if you write about it. And you <laughs> can't write about us anymore if you're dead. Roll a persuasion check. Just uh, Idafer and Karen, if you were the ones who were convincing. Or one of you with advantage. I've got a plus eight. Do you want me to roll you an do advantage? It. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> that is a 22. Like, this is a little bit of a walk, right? You're able to convince uh, Blackguard eventually to not include this part in the notes. Uh, and he settles for when someone reads this story, uh, there'll be a small note about what happened next. I can't tell you. Um, rather than just completely leaving it out, he, he's like, I have to put something. Yeah. So he, he settles for like a mysterious hook. That's yeah. kind of like You're lucky we didn't leave you in that town. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of, as we're walking back, is there a huge dazed rock still there? As you're walking back, the rock is no longer dazed on the ground. It's it's again, it's above you in the uh, in the sky. Uh, but it, you notice that it gives you plenty of space. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bloody big bloody bird. Get out of here. Get out of here. After a brisk hour of travel. Uh, the party makes it back to Tarago Nook, where surprisingly the entire town, like everyone from the town, is at the gates and waiting for you. Well, there's a king. Ricky, Ma, as well as a dozen or so other people with different colored hair oh my that God. you haven't had the chance to talk to are all waiting and so excited. And as you approach, they like run up to you and they all want to dote on Welby. Um, Ameth definitely seems to have told them what was up uh, because <laughs> like they are, their attitudes have completely changed and they're so, they're so like happy and you're surrounded by different people who are all really excited to meet Welby and to, to see him. And Welby's having a wonderful little time. Oh, cute. That's our baby. And then a loud, deep voice from above interrupts the chatter oh, no. rendered toothless for a hatchling pathetic and above your heads standing atop of one of the large buildings of tarago nook is a red dragon what? he looks down at you with an intimidating glare and he regards you all with an intelligent way that you know that he is taking you in and and trying to understand what you can do you've all gone soft you locked me up when i wanted to eat but luckily oh son of a bitch (laughs) i know a place where i'll find plenty of food and ma steps up and says fedo cease this immediately you've exposed us and you've violated the truce oh man stand down or we will make you stand down and Fido looks down and, and smiles and says, Here's the thing, Ma. You all have to drop your forms to make me. And we all know there's not enough magic to go around. So no, I don't think I will. Everybody roll a dexterity saving throw. Uh, I have a question. Yep. So let this boy lock up. Can I use my flash of genius to give... You know, S4, a plus five to your, the saving rules. Uh, so does Flash of Genius require a reaction? Because if it does, you can only give it to one person. When you or another creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an ability check or saving throw, you can add plus five to the... Ah, uh, you can use your reaction to add plus five to the Yeah, roll. so you can give it to one person. Okay. Karen rolled a seven. I rolled well, so I'm alright. Yeah, I'll go give it to Karen. Okay. Add plus five. I don't know if that's gonna do it, do anything though, but has anybody got like a thirteen or something like something that's nearly there? Like a seven's bad. No, I got five. I've got a twenty-three. Or a five. So we'll eight in total, but yeah. I'll give it. I'll you know I'll, I'll still just give it to Karen because I, I don't really mind. I'll still use it. Uh, thank you. Rolled an eighteen. Okay, eighteen passes. Twenty-three. Twenty-three passes. Twelve. Twelve fails. With the flash of genius. Yep. And I don't got eight. 
Oh no. Eight fails, but this is fire damage and a dexterity saving throw, so I think we have oh, two wait, abilities wait. that affect this. Frankie and Flynn pass, and <sighs> Idafa and Karen fail. Oh, Miserably. The failures are going to take 38 fire damage, Oof. and the passes oh, are going to take half that. Well, luckily, I'm a demon boy, so I have a resistance <laughs> to fire, and I'm a rogue boy, so I have evasion. So... so you is can it? half that and then half it again. So that's a quarter. Okay, sweet. So that was 38, right? So a quarter of 30, 38 halved. So it's 19 damage if you're halved. Okay. Uh, and then 9 damage again for Idafo. Karen, unfortunately, you're taking the full 38. Uh, Flynn <laughs> and Frankie, you guys are taking 19. And Idafo, you're going to take 9 fire damage. Nice. And everybody else in the town who was all crowded around and bunched up all took the full 38. No! Oh, sucks for them. Can we say that Karen took the full proc because she tried to step in front of everyone else? Yeah, absolutely, you can say that. Yes! <laughs> Fiddle breathes fire across everybody in the town, including you guys, uh, and Ooh. then he flaps his wings and he takes to the skies and he begins flying towards Ymir City. Oh, I want to kick his ass. He calls back and he says, You can eat the visitors, but the city <laughs> is all mine. You worse, you little shit! <laughs> I yell at him. Fiddle, you bad boy! And everyone's rolling over. You notice that like no one is, none of the other people in the town are as killed by this as you would expect. They're like, oh, nah. their <laughs> their clothing is all seared, and they are they're like damaged, and some of them are not getting up, but they're not dead. Um, and Idafa, having taken the least damage, you feel a hand on your wrist, and you look up, and you can see that Riki is holding your hand. Uh, and he grabs you and he starts to drag you away at a full sprint. Come on! Okay, let's go! And he turns back to you and he's running towards the shed and he's like, Fiddle's in full flight right now. None of us are going to be able to catch him. And he stops and he points at the rail heading off down the mountain. <laughs> but Buttercup can! Buttercup, let's go! Penny here. I hope you're enjoying the episode and hello to any of my Wellicon friends that I've been playing D&D with this weekend, all weekend. Just a heads up that at the end of this arc we'll be taking a short break from posting so that I can focus on directing the Yes and Charity stream. Expect about two more episodes and then a few months off before we come back. We'll still be recording the show so there will be plenty of adventure coming in September when we return. A big hug to all of our patrons over on Patreon. James Courtright, Samsara, Waffles Loves You and is Hoping You Have a Good Day, Claire McDonald, Jules Bergeser, Violet, Shobna Lee, Alex Moore, Lyndon Hood, Jesse Wesson, Disturbed One NZ, Andrew Evans, Lunacris, and William Evans. You guys help us keep producing the show and making it possible to tell the whole thing. I'm so grateful for your support and I hope you enjoyed the nice hug that I just gave you verbally. If you're curious about our bonus content or you would like to become a supporter of the terrible adventures of the Janice and Breffitt's Parchment Company, go check out patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast to become a supporter for as little as a couple of bucks a month. Music credits, thanks to Track Tribe for Dream It, Jung Logos for Escapism, Jemina Contreras for Frightmare, Nathan Moore for Read All Over, Telecasted for Riding Into the Sun and Sunshine, Anno Domini Beats for Sinister, Chris Horgan for Snowy Peaks Part 1, Nifix for The Itch, parentheses instrumental, and Freedom Trail Studio for We Bubbles. 
As always, our social media pages are facebook.com slash Janice and Breffitt's podcast and at JBPC podcast on Twitter. Keep an eye out on the Kiwi RPG hashtag for all sorts of things that Kiwi creators like us are doing with their projects. If you're a Kiwi RPG creator, come and join Kimu Fakato o Aotearoa, the Kiwi RPG Discord server, to find a great community of game designers, podcasters, and streamers. And keep an eye out on the 10th to the 18th of June, which is coming up really soon, which is uh, Kimu Fakato o Aotearoa's Kiwi RPG Week, where myself, representing the Yes and Charity stream, as well as a ton of other game creators and streamers and podcasters, will be putting on something special to celebrate Kiwi RPG Week and to celebrate our Kiwi ingenuity. Next episode, Hearth and Wellbeing Part 5, will be out in two weeks on the 18th of June. It's wrap-up time, so hopefully something exciting might happen. Maybe the raddest set piece in D&D might be coming up. Who knows? Maybe, probably not. But that's all from me. Let's get back to it. I'm, like, super excited about it. Wait, first can't we give magic to the other dragon people so that they can then turn and then help us there's no time oh i think they need more magic than we have oh no remember when we arrived frankie determined that the entire town is is on a network of fonts all interconnected with one another so they have magic here yeah okay let's go let's go let's get on buttercup ricky turns to you karen and he says get those doors open and he just starts stuffing the centipede with like you know hay and food and <laughs> grains and all kinds of things it's just eating so much food he's just stuffing it in there yum, yum, yum. and he says all aboard and like there's a little cabin on the back of the head and he just jumps up there and starts like setting up some kind of makeshift control panel frankie if you want to have a look at what's going on you can roll an investigation check frankie is 100 percent in there that's a 24. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It appears that the chitin plate on the back of the centipede's head has been removed, and there's some kind of direct interface with its brain that has been like. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't like that. Frankie explained it just <laughs> like that, but using more scientific words. Karen, you finished throwing open the doors to the station, uh, and you can you turn around, you can see Buttercup's dozen eyes just blinking in the afternoon light. <laughs> she makes an odd skittering noise, and all of her segments begin to wiggle. I jump up onto Buttercup. So Ricky turns back and he's like, hey, by the way, if you have any way of letting the city know what's heading their way, it might be a good idea to prepare them. There's no guarantee we're going to catch up if he's pacing it. We've got a sending stone, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Frankie, Mm. you'd better call Murphy. Call your boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. Good. Frankie blushes. (laughs) Uh, So Frankie just like... Frankie, we'd better talk about that (laughs) later. (laughs) Karen, gossip. That's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, so Frankie just like takes out the stone, sort of hunches up and like, Hey, Murphy, you there? Oh, hey, Francis. I was just thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Now's the time. You need Karen's to like right tell. There. She's like, ooh. <laughs> uh, I have everybody else here with me. Uh, All right. <laughs> keep, keep it clean. I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. What's up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Frankie is like just beat red, uh, but he's like, um, um, so I don't want to alarm anyone, but oh no, <laughs> there's an alarming thing about to happen. Um, there might be a large red dragon. Uh, how it got out of the cave? What the? F- 
and then there's a bunch of swearing that you can hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't us. We totally didn't uh, let this uh, guy go. When I hear him start to swear, I'm like, man, Frankie, he sounds a bit crude to be with you, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Murphy's like, hang on a second, hang on a second. Are you telling me that there is a dragon on its way to the city right now? Yes. Yes. Murphy. Yes. Yes. What the you hell do you want yes. me to do about that? Tell everybody. Tell everyone. Mobilize the kids. Send the children. <laughs> you know how he has a connection to those kids, right? Why is it that every time you call me, it's an end of the world scenario? Because <laughs> you literally haven't even called me just to say hi. Just the once to say the city's in trouble. Shit. No, 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 that's not fair. I did call you that one time to be like, how are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, okay. Sorry. You're right. I'm just freaking out what am i supposed to do stay safe murphy you can hear a lot of like clattering in the background and you guess that he is like packing up his stock right now <laughs> that's my murphy excuse me don't worry about your stock just get yourself safe maybe one the city somehow oh uh, you're gonna make me do something i really don't want to do francis ah uh, this is the worst just see if you can stop it. I'll do what I can on my end, okay? Uh, I, uh, Yannis! And then he cuts off. Thank you, Murphy. Oh, he's gone. Let's go. Ooh. <laughs> you might have to take him out to dinner when we get back. <laughs> Ricky is, like, pulling switches and, like, moving levers around. And, like, all of the segments of Buttercup are, like, wiggling. And <laughs> you hear, like, a clattering of the, the little legs as they, like, attach themselves. Uh, to the to the part of the the <laughs> rail that it's supposed to be on, and Ricky turns around and he's like, "All right, seatbelts on. I've never had a chance to go full speed out of the gate, so this is going to be extremely <laughs> unsafe." Well, don't forget to have fun. And she puts her seatbelt on. Yep, Flynn, Flynn like jumps up and buckles in, and he's like, "Hold on, Welby." All right, everybody ready? Everybody ready? And Buttercup, go! Woo! And Ricky pushes the lever all the way up, and you're just blasted back in your seat as the centipede shoots from <laughs> zero to 100 in the blink of an eye, straight out of the shed. Oh my god. Tarago Nook, it's gone. Snowy Peaks, gone. Blackguard, also gone. Oh no. <laughs> he was too busy writing in his book, and he didn't put his seatbelt on, and he's no longer in the seat that he was in. <laughs> Secrets kept. <laughs> the centipede is clackety clackety clacking along the metal track like an enormous gross bullet out of an enormouser grosser gun. Uh, Ricky turns back to you and he's shouting over the like sound of the wind. He's like, okay, we're going to catch up with him soon. He's probably halfway to the city. So whatever you're going to do, do it good. I'm going to slow us down a little. Jump up onto the roof. And ahead of you, Getting closer and closer, you can see two things rapidly approaching in the distance. The one is the sprawling metropolis of Ymir City, standing proud and tall amongst the surrounding farmland. And in the foreground, flying closer on leathery red wings, Fido the dragon is flying next to the track and absolutely booking it to the city you call home. Our heroes, finding their feet on the back of a centipede train, stand tall with the wind in their hair, summoning their weapons and preparing their magic. The only people who can possibly stop the enormous dragon from consuming their fellow Yumiasins. Roll for initiative. Oh my god. Karen rolled an 11. Frankie rolled an 18. Flynn got 16. I don't rolled 10. 
Ooh, I hope you guys are excited for this as I am, because this is going to be wild. I didn't get to put any um, spells into my pin, though. Well, you, you could have, but you didn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Light is white, fair to is red, kakariki green. Yeah, got it, got it, we got it. My poro poro is purple, just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, it's an, he's amethyst, not purple mm. dragon. The actual name for an amethyst is uh, Ametihita. Uh, so I kept the ameth part at the start. Yeah, nice. There you go. Here we go, guys. You're about to fight a dragon in Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. And how long have we been playing this? Two and a half years? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Here we go. Initiative start. Fedor doesn't seem to have noticed you behind him and you're rapidly closing in. You have a surprise round to prepare, but as soon as you attract his attention, that goes away. Mm -hmm. We'll go in order of initiative, so I'll just, um, Frankie, you are first. How far away in terms, like, feet is he from us? At the moment, he is about 100 feet in front of you, but at the end of this surprise round, he will be within 50 feet. I'm still an elk aspect. Yep. So our travel pace is double. Okay. So Okay, so he's 50 feet now then. The centipede train can go as fast, it can go twice as fast as it normally can. Yeah, but the thing is, is that if you were standing on the roof of it when that was happening, you wouldn't be standing on the roof of it anymore. <laughs> That's true. He had to slow down so that you guys could get onto the roof without being blown away. That is true. What a good sweet boy. <laughs> so, okay, Frankie, uh, that's a great point, Karen. Frankie, he is within 50 feet of you. You have seconds until he notices you. Okay, okay. You can just pass if you don't have a if you don't have a preparation round that you want to do. No, I don't have a preparation round. Uh, Flynn, would you have any spells or anything you'd like to do for a preparation round? Does Would I have time to ask anyone else to put some in? My... Yeah, that is a good point. You can, anyone who has a spell that would cast one action can put it into Flynn's pin, um, but it will cost you the spell slot that you're using and the Electrum that it would cost. Yeah. So Frankie, if you don't have anything that you want to do, you can spend your turn putting a spell into um, Flynn's pin. Okay, I'll I'll put in Web into uh, his pin. Cool, what level is that? That is second level. Cool, so you uh, two Electrum uh, and Flynn, two of the levels of your pin are now consumed. Uh, you can now cast Web as an action. Ooh. Flynn, it is your turn. What would you like to do to prepare? Uh, so I'm going to get out my laughing blade and I'm going to cast... Oh, if I cast first, will that notify... Like, will... If you target him with a spell, he will notice you. If you're targeting your allies or, or targeting yourself with a spell, you'll be fine. So, for example, you could do healing, um, you could do a buff spell, uh, you could do, you know, something on the terrain that you're standing on, but you can't... As soon as you target him, that's the end of the surprise round. I'll do Bardic um, Info. Okay. Who's the first to go on an initiative? Frankie. Because he was standing so close to me to um, to fill my wand, I'll, um, you can have the, the 1d10. Nice. Karen, you don't have any me um, ranged attacks, eh? No. Okay. And then can I take the last action then um, to hand the Wand of Lightning to Karen? That's fine. Yeah, so bonus action, uh, Bardic Inspiration to Frankie, and action, give an item to Karen. That's fine. Karen, you now have the Wand of Lightning Bolts. Uh, Karen, it is your turn. Would you like to do anything to prepare? No. I've been looking through my stuff. Right, that's fine. Uh, so you don't have, you want to pass? Yeah, I just, I take out my weapon. I take out the Temperate Great Axe. Yep. And just, it's two-handed and heavy. No, I don't take out the Temperate Great Axe. You know what? I don't do that. I've been handed the Wand of Lightning Bolt. That's it. That's what I've got. All right, Idafer. What are you going to do for your um, for your surprise round? I am pulling out um, my dagger 
and also my new sickle. Oh, question. Yep. Does anybody want to get on the dragon? <laughs> this is a serious question. Who wants to get on the dragon? Mama's gonna transport one of us over there, isn't she? If you want to, I can get you on the dragon. I don't want to. Wait, because I was like, I had an idea. I was going to attempt to try and cast web slightly in front of it so it flies into it and or cast until I realized I was too heavy to cast catapult on myself and catapult myself to the uh, dragon. But then I also realized that would also be a bad idea. Uh, yeah, I'd love to take myself to the dragon, but the wearing of the butterfly doesn't let me do that. But I can get someone else up there if they want to. Yeah, so could you take Frankie? But you know, I don't want to do. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to, uh, you know, smack Ida on the on the back and be like, "Get on up there, soldier!" <laughs> and then I was like, "No, I don't want to be here." I was gonna say I probably could afford to go up on him. Okay, so um, my next step. with my un- like. It's going to be hard for him to attack me, and when he does, I've got uncanny dodge. Can you hold on tightly? (laughs) Yeah. For my next action, I'm going to teleport you onto the dragon. Is that okay? That is okay. Thank you for asking (laughs) for consent. (laughs) All right. I would like to hold an action to teleport Idafer up onto the back of the dragon using the ring of the butterfly after Idafer's turn. Sick. Okay. (laughs) And I will hand a healing potion to mama <laughs> oh thank you thank you dear i'm at full health you took 38 fire damage a minute ago oh shit i'm not at full health at all <laughs> I, dr- I drink it immediately it's a potion of healing right Artifa? yeah potion of healing because you're using a bonus action to drink it karen that's 2d8 plus 2 healing um, your action is going to be to uh, cast the teleport. And if you take if you take dragon fire damage, please make sure you write it down on your HP. That's going to be fairly relevant in a no, couple of minutes. No, I did. I did it down, and I just was looking directly at it, so I forgot. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so 2d8 plus what, sorry? 2d8 plus 2. Okay, that's 8 plus 2, so that's 10 healing points. Lovely, thank you. All right, let me paint you a word picture. <laughs> yep. You guys are standing on the like the roof part of the cab of the train. The wind is blowing in your hair, and just up ahead of you, next to the the elevated track, the red dragon is flying with its wings spread, uh, basically like flying along next to the thing, using it as a guide. All of you, you know, pass potions to each other and like drink them. And Frankie casts a spell into Flynn's pin, and Welby gets his heckles up, uh, standing on Dad's shoulder. Oh. And you guys all take your stances. And then Karen reaches over and taps Idafer on the back, and he vanishes and <laughs> reappears, uh, kind of between the shoulder blades of Fedor. And Fedor finally notices you, and he his head turns a little bit, and he kind of wobbles a bit in his flight and almost crashes into the tracks <laughs> he sees you and he's like what in the hell is this now <laughs> i'm just like i'm back bitch <laughs> all right time for initiative frankie you're up he is 25 feet from you and kind of horizontally next to the train okay so now frankie has an idea because even though i know idafer is like like he could handle breath attacks or whatever i want to try and prevent him from doing any other breath attacks at least for a round or two so i am going to attempt to cast web now because i'm not anchoring it it will collapse in on itself but i'm hoping that if he flies into it it'll just collapse in around his 
face into a mouth so he can't open his mouth to do okay. a breath oh, attack. That's, that's, that, I mean, that, that's, that's my idea. That's my idea. That's a clever use You're of making it. a web muzzle. What is the saving throw? Uh, it's DC uh, Dex 17. Here we go. Rolling that. He has a Dex plus four to his saving throws. And I rolled a nine. Oh. Exactly what you aimed for happens. You create the web and it appears in front of him and then kind of immediately he flies straight into it. It's not big enough to like completely snare him, yes. but it goes around his head and face. So I'm going to say until he can remove it, uh, he can't open his mouth, at least for a little bit. And he's going to have disadvantage on perception checks and melee attacks. Yeah, hey, yes. Gotcha. That's what I wanted. Good work. Any bonus actions or movement? The, uh, by the way, the big square that you're standing on, there's no cover, but it is uh, 20 feet long and 10 feet wide. So it's just kind of big enough for everyone to stand on. No, I don't. No bonus actions for me. Cool. Um, that's it. Fedor also rolled uh, an 18, so Fedor's going to be next. He is going to uh, try and make a claw attack, and he's going to... Uh, actually, no, he can't reach... He can't reach Idafa. He's going to fly uh, above uh, the train, so he's going to drift up and across so that he's directly above you. He's 10 feet above you, and he is going to try and do a claw attack Ooh. on Frankie. Ooh. Uh, that is a... 13 plus 10, that's a 23 to hit. That hits. Would you consider Fedo to be adjacent to us at this moment? If you have 10 foot reach, then yes. I don't have oh, 10 foot Oh, but the range. claws are attack. Yeah, so yes, yes. I use my reaction to attack Fedo immediately using Sentinel. Okay. Uh, so the claw is going to be 2d6 plus 6 slashing damage. Uh, Frankie, you are going to take 14 slashing damage. That's okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and Karen, go ahead and take your attack. Okay. I don't have my great axe out, so this is going to be just a straight, just an unarmed strike. That is a 21 to hit. Ring of the Ram? Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I do have the Ring of the Ram. As the claws come down to scratch at Frankie, she just punches <laughs> the dragon straight in the hand. Just a big old hand punch with the ring of the ram. Bam! And you rolled a 21? So I got a 21 to hit. That hits? Yeah. Oh my god. She hits her 7 damage. Cool, okay. And the target is knocked back in feet equal to the dice roll, but I don't know. The dragon is gigantic, so maybe it just knocks his hand around. Uh, he's going to use his second multi-attack uh, to try and bite the web off. Uh, Frankie, I'm going to say that to like get the web broken would be to beat your spell save dc does that seem fair yep that's right cool uh that is a three plus ten thirteen the dc is 17 okay and karen would you remind me you hit him with an attack with during like with sentinel yeah so the part of the set piece that we're doing here is that they're both moving forwards at the same speed oh yeah i suppose this opportunity hack but it's fine it's fine if you don't want him to stop yeah, he's not going to stop. Um, what I'm going <laughs> to say is he can't move away. Like, he can't fly anywhere else. But you guys are still hurtling along at the same speed forwards. Okay. I'm just going to take that liberty because if one of you suddenly stops moving, you're going to shoot out in front oh. of him and the fight's going to be really complicated <laughs> and boring. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Flynn, it is your turn. Fedor is 10 feet above you. Uh, cool. Okay. So I'm going to... 
I don't know if this will do much damage because it's a dragon, but I really want to cast Fireball at one of its wings. Okay. I mean, it's... okay. Do you think you guys will die? <laughs> no, I think he's not going to take any damage because he's a fire dragon. Yeah. Well, I'll do Shatter instead then. So I'm going to cast Shatter, which is a sound effect in like a little a radius of 60 feet um, range, 10 foot kind of cone. Um, but you have to roll a con save uh, or you get 3d8 thunder damage. Constitution saving throw? What is the DC? 15. Cool. He has a constitution saving throw of plus 9. Oh. So that's 16 plus 9, 25. So that's half damage, I assume? Yes, yep. Cool. Uh, so how much damage? 13. And half of that? Yeah. Cool. So that's another 7 damage. Uh, where did you aim it? Oh, so I aimed it at his ears. Like his kind of eye head region. Cool. That is right where... Oh, I suppose he's got a long neck. What's the radius of the... Uh, I was going from behind the... Don't worry, I wasn't hitting the web. Yeah, does it say you ha- it has to be somewhere you can see? Because since he's above you, you and his wings are spread, you wouldn't be able to see his ears. Um, it just says... Just as a radius. Cool. Okay, uh, so because you used Shatter uh, on that area, he's now going to have disadvantage on perception checks uh, that involve hearing. Cool. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to do with your turn? I'll get out my laughing blade, and I want Welby to go do euphoric breath on him. Yeah, Welby uh, basically flies up off your shoulder and then immediately grabs back oh. on to your cloak because as soon as, as soon as he took flight, he was about to get whooshed off by the fast wind. Oh, he's too little. Welby can't fly fast enough to keep up with this oh. thing. So if he tries to fly again, he may get swept away. Okay, never mind. I, I like, I'm like, oh no, and I like grapple with him, which kind of distracts me a little bit. Yeah, he wiggles his butt and he growls. He's definitely keen to be a part of it, but he definitely can't fly independently. He's going to need to go with people. Uh-huh. Karen, it is your turn. How long is the roof? Uh, 20 feet long, 10 feet wide. Okay. And how long is the dragon? Like, is his body around about the same size as the centipede? And is like, is he bigger? Is he bigger than the roof? Because what I'd essentially like to do is take a running jump and try to grapple onto tail. Okay. While raging. That is fine. I'm happy for you to make an athletics check on that. Uh, keep in mind that if you fail. There's very little room for error if you are jumping because of how fast we're all moving. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, but... Okay, roll me an athletics check. But then I also have the tiger active. Okay. So I can jump an extra three feet to high jump and ten feet to long jump. Okay. So I'm essentially going to try and jump in an arc towards tail and just grab onto it. Okay. And it does also say, in the rules, it does say your gem might allow you to make a strength uh, athletics check to jump higher than normally can. So that might be like the grabbing on. To the tail. Yeah. Okay, and just to be clear, you're not using rage yet? No, I am, I am. So I'm just... <clears throat> can takes as many steps as she needs to to get to the very front of the roof on the centipede train and she turns around to face the back. Okay. She holds a Electrum piece in her hand and suddenly it's gone. She has flashed 20 feet to the back of the train in an instant. And as soon as she gets there, she jumps. Roll me an athletics check. And she's reaching for the tail. <gasps> you have advantage because you're raging and this is a strength check. I don't know if I need advantage because I rolled a 19. <laughs> 19 plus nine. 
Yeah, that is great. You run forwards to the front of the train. Um, you turn around, you pop rage and feel the power going through you and you jump. And in that moment that you're suspended in the air, you like drift back like past everyone and you like reach an arm up and around and you grab onto the Teferos tail. You have successfully grappled his tail. Yes! You are currently on the underside Ooh. of it. Okay. Let's hope he tries to bash me off so I can continue rage. So that was just your movement. Go ahead and make an action if you want to. I've used my bonus action. I've used my movement. I not use my action to summon a weapon. No, that's a free action. Oh, it's a free action. But but your axe is two-handed. It is. Um, and at the moment, your your arms are being used to hold uh, hold on for dear life. Mm. Can I use my action to get onto the top of his tail? Yeah, roll me another athletics check or an acrobatics check. It's gonna be an athletics check. That's a twenty-one. All right. Uh, yeah, you do. You like put the wand of lightning bolts in your teeth like a pirate and you like grab around to the top of the tail and you grab onto one of his like dorsal scales and you like pull yourself up and around and wrap your legs around his tail um you're now sitting on the back of his tail on the top that's exactly where i want to be thank you cool Idafa, you're up all right but i'm going to start off by stabbing my dagger into him so that i can stay on top of him yep okay so roll me an attack roll with advantage, because you're literally on him, it would yeah. be very hard to miss. <laughs> 21. 21 hits. Uh, so roll your dagger damage, and uh, I guess you get sneak attack as well, because that was with advantage. Uh-huh. So, uh, so I'm just going to have to grab some more dice. Um, That's what we'd like to hear when we're fighting a dragon. Hang on, yeah. guys. I'm going to need to get some more dice. <laughs> <laughs> That's 21 damage. Ooh-hoo. Nice. And then... With my bonus action, can I use my offhand sickle? I don't see why not. That's what it's for. Probably you lost off. Okay, let me just double check this. So it's a plus two sickle. Nice. All right. Whenever you guys say plus two sickle, my brain goes popsicle. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> is it advantage for any attacks while I'm standing on him? Uh, what I'm going to say is you now have advantage on any checks that I make for him to throw you off. So if he tries to shake you loose or cut or throw you off of his back, as long as you have that dagger in one hand and it's in his skin, you have advantage on any of those checks. Okay. But for the sickle, do I get advantage on trying to like hit him as well? Or? No, you've had advantage. Okay. Sweet ass. That's all right then. All right. Uh, hey, net 20. That's hey. there you go. That is, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that you uh, used your sneak attack on the first attack and not this one. So can you uh, go ahead and roll me the double damage on the sickle, uh, which I believe that we said a sickle was a d4, is that right? Or is it a d6? It might have been a d6, but because dagger's d4, rapier's d8. Yeah, it's a, it's a small light weapon similar to a, okay. Uh, any sickle uh, as a melee weapon is another d4 damage. So you can get uh, 2d4 uh, plus the bonus of five uh, to this attack. Um, so that is 10 damage in total. Cool. And what about with the last attack? Can you add it all together, including your dagger, sneak attack, and second attack? Okay. With my dagger, I caused 21 damage. Ooh. And then with my sickle, my offhand, I caused 10 damage. So in total, that is 31 damage. Very nice. It's all piercing. Oh, piercing. I just want to check one thing, because I think I had... It's a feat I took called Piercer. Oh, cool. What does that do? You can re-roll a piercing damage die once per turn. Yeah, you can re-roll any of the d4s that you've rolled this turn if you want to try to go for higher. 
Oh, I can. I gain a damage die when I critically pierce. Okay. Which I already did. Like that one, it depends on who, how you do crit. So crit, you would so gain an think. extra die. So your sickle should have done 3d4 instead of 2d4. Oh, okay. So because you got a nat 20. I might just re-roll that last damage just in case it ends up being more. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All done. Well done. And good good use of your feet as well. Thanks. Very nice. Nice. Uh, it, is the, it is the top of the round. Fedor is very angry. Fedor and Frankie are both rolled uh, an 18. So, Frankie, do you mind if I take Fedor's attack before yours this time? Fine. So, uh, Fedor is going to uh, basically try and uh, wrench his jaw open out of the web. Nice waste of a turn, dude. <laughs> that is a natural 20. Oh. <laughs> he is going to rip his jaw uh, open of the web. And he's really mad. Uh, he, turns to, uh, he turns over <laughs> and he's like... This is nothing. Eat fire. And when you say turn over, do you mean he flips? No, sorry. He turns. Uh, he's going to turn towards the uh, the centipede. Oh, okay. And he's going to cool. use his fire breath on Buttercup. Oh. No. no. So he doesn't hit anyone who's standing on Buttercup. Uh, and what happens is uh, the fire like clears, and Buttercup just goes straight through it. And he's going to be like, "You didn't pay attention in biology class. Oh, These guys are fireproof." Choo choo, motherfucker! Hmm. Off they go taking our newest young one with them. Ameth here, or Professor Peridot, if you're so inclined. Thanks for listening, and please, take it from me. Be open to new experiences. You never know who's about to walk into your life. And if you eat them all, you could miss out on so much.